for Karen Horn. Thanks, Alex. You've done so well. Thank you, guys. You can have your seats or take your seats, but don't take them somewhere. Just sit on them. It's a funny thing we say, like stand to your feet as if you're going to stand on your hands um, and take your seats, but you're actually just going to sit on them. But Hello to the Derwent Valley. It's nice to see you there. So fun to link with you. Don't think we forget you just because you're there. Do we love them there? Can you give them a clap? Welcome them because we love them. And it's so nice to have some testosterone in the room. Although for the men who did serve, thank you at the SHE conference. It was so lovely to have you there. Um, While we've been sitting, um, I've just had this thing on my heart. I just feel like somebody may have got a bad report this week at the doctor, maybe here or in the valley. Um, And I'd just like to pray. So was that anybody this week, maybe here or there? that went to the doctors and got a not-so-great report this week? Okay. We'll just pray. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just going to believe for a breakthrough for you and just know that God is kind and not that he wants to pick you out, but we just know that God is good. So thank you, Father. Thank you that you are sovereign. And we thank you for your healing power and we speak the name of Jesus, which is above every other name, any diagnosis. And we thank you for your presence. And anybody who may be unwell or carrying a sickness that has been long-term, we speak your name and allow your spirit of God to thank you that you're here. Thank you for your presence here. And thank you for your healing power. We know it's not to do with any of us, any of you great leaders that are here, the incredible church, but it's all because of you, Jesus. And we say thank you in advance for what you have done because we're two or more gathered in your name. What we ask for shall be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Your senior pastors, Dave and Alex, are amazing. And I don't know if you realize, because in and out of seasons for, for pastors just to keep going when they don't feel like it sometimes, because you do, I know you do your jobs like that too um, when you go to work, but when you're dealing with people all the time and their stuff as well as your own, it's big, people. It's big. So can we just appreciate your senior pastors today? Thank you, guys. Because you're amazing. Why don't we stand and applaud them, even in the valley? Give it up for your pastors today. We do love you. We think you're champions in the kingdom of God. Champions. We love you. We love you. Super great. Okay, so I've asked, is it Harrison? What a champ you are, mate. Um. My family, I forgot to show the girls. Um, There's a picture of my family. He might come up on the screen. My kids, Caleb, he's so handsome, isn't he? He's 24. My daughter, Zara, who's 13. And there's my hubby at the front. Yummy, yummy. Um, So there's there's like a 
more than a 10-year gap between our kids. It's like we have two only children because <laughs> there's such a big gap. But I'm so excited we got to do it do it twice. It's so nice. What a blessing. And um, they are such a delight and joy. We don't get to do life together very much because our son has moved out of home now. And um, if you could put that one with a bit of a military picture. Oh, no, not that one. The other one with the, all of the guys. Yeah, so the, if, if my daughter gets asked out down the track, so Caleb and Jeremy have said that this is what we will let the boys know, that they have to get through to take Zara out. And these are actually real weapons because my son is in the military. So, um, yeah, could you imagine a boy coming to ask Zara out? I know she's she, now she's taller than me. She's like she's like an Amazon. Wow, she's just yummy. She's lovely. She's like, that was a few years ago, but yeah. Anyway, I love my family. I'm very blessed. Um, my t- the title of my message today is "Make Way." Um, a number of years ago, in two uh, no, yeah, 2014. I had the privilege of going to the Solomon Islands. I met a lady called Martha. Now, Martha and I, she, isn't she lovely? Look at how beautiful she is. But she was a victim of domestic violence. And in the Solomon Islands, it was deemed to be okay if men beat women. It was just a form of discipline. But some people had gone in, an organisation had gone in, and over a long period of time, they had instructed and taught people, particularly the men and even pastors, that this was not a good form of discipline. Now, I know that might shock you um, that that would have to be taught, but it was culturally actually okay. Now, it's not okay, but they made a way to actually inform people. But over a period of time, this became known. Now, my son, who you saw earlier in his strapping uniform, he looks very handsome, he has gone through some grueling training, training that most people in the workforce would deem, shall we, oh gosh, it would, ah, most people would call it abuse as well, um, if it was any other any other place that you would be working. He's gone on assessments. I mean, they yell abuse at them. They tell them they'll amount to nothing. They go on assessments, field assessments, and they might come back over a six-week period of time, 11 kilos lighter. Um, They they can come back with frostbite. Um, It could have broken bones. Um, They're sleep-deprived. They don't eat for days at a time. But this is also that they can function under the harshest levels of condition when they have to lead troops because he's trained to be an officer. But there's, a, there's method behind their madness because if they can function like that, they can lead their troops in these harsh conditions. Now, this reminds me of a scripture. Oof. Okay. In Isaiah 40. Now, as a mum, I wanted to go, as you could imagine, I wanted to go to these military experts and go, 
don't you know what you're doing to my boy? Because my mother's heart, that didn't do my mother's heart good. When my son said he wanted to join the military, I'm like, why? You need to tell me why. Help me understand why you want to join the military. Because I feel like I'm called to make a difference in our nation. I'm like, I don't even have any comeback for that. Anyway, so this scripture in Isaiah 40, we're starting partway through verse 3. says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? Lift up your voice. We'll jump down to verse 9. With, with a shout, lift it up. This is what we're crying out. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Your God is coming, it says in the New Living Translation. So Martha's story, people made a way to educate and be influential. And it actually made a way for others. But it was like, it was announcing that there's a better way to do things. For Caleb, it's making a way for the safety of others down the track when he gets deployed. There's method. There's a reason for all this preparation. So it leads me to this question. How do we make a way for King Jesus to enter into our lives and the lives of others? How do we clear the obstacles like it says here? Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. Every rough ground shall become level and the rugged places are plain. Isaiah 57 verse 14 says, Build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way, my people. God was asking his people to prepare a way, prepare a way for others. Now, what this actual scripture in Isaiah's day was referring to was actually the anticipation of a magnificent ruler coming to enter a village. Now, if the people of the village didn't prepare the way, if they didn't remove the obstacles, level out the valleys and the hills, the magnificent ruler would pass by the village and the village would miss out on the blessing. So the king could not actually enter or the magnificent ruler would not enter into the village. So it actually took a lot of work to remove the obstacles, lifting out the boulders, smoothing out the paths. So today I want to look at three different things that we can do personally, but I also want to look at what we can do corporately to make a difference. Are you with me? All right. Thank you. Well, I hope it's going to be good. Ah, thank you. Thank you. So here or in the, in the valley, we're going to do this together because we want the blessing. We want the blessing. We need the blessing of God in our own lives and we, we need to allow easy access. We need to allow easy access. 
So what could be the obstacles that we need to remove for us in our lives? And even if you are on track with these things, good job, but it's a good to be reminded. These are good reminders. So the first one is an obstacle of unforgiveness. Now, as I said to the girls this week, I don't believe that forgiveness equals trusting somebody and it doesn't even condone or excuse a bad offence. But you can't hold on to resentment or vengeance. It's actually debilitating for your own life. See, if psychologists, this is what studies have actually, um, by psychologists have actually said, forgiveness will bring the forgiver peace of mind, frees us from corrosive anger, um, letting go of deeply held um, negative feelings empowers us to recognise the pain that we've suffered, and not and letting go of it also um, allows the pain not to define you. And also, forgiveness enables you to move on past the circumstance. Now, also, it makes us feel happier, improves our health, it sustains our relationship, and it boosts kindness and connectedness. So the Bible's actually had it right all along. And it doesn't actually do anything to the other person that has offended you when you are holding that onto that bitterness. And again, I reiterate, it doesn't mean you have to trust that person or put up safe boundaries so that you aren't continually offended, re-offended. The Bible says in 6 verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. I just thought it might be nice this morning if we just said the Lord's Prayer together because we haven't done, don't always do that together in church. So I've asked Harrison if we could put it up on the screen. Okay, shall we say it together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Freely we've received and freely we give. Hey. The second thing is a hard heart, the second obstacle. And I think, Erica, thank you for your testimony, allowing that to be played again this morning, because she actually gave voice to that. Proverbs 7, verse 1 to 3 says, My son, keep my word and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. I think there can be two types of hearts. I'm just going to break. I'm, I'm not complicated. I don't like to complicate things. So I'm just going to give you two versions of, of hearts, hard and soft. <laughs> Are you with me in the valley? I think, like Erica was saying, that this protection mechanism guarding your heart and some of these causes could be you let down by somebody close, 
You've had your trust betrayed. It could be a divorce. It could be a great loss. It could be abuse. And I'm not playing down any of these things. They're all massive, massive things. A, a death, dysfunction in the family. And here are some of the symptoms. These, are just, these aren't medical terms. These are just heart, hard heart symptoms. And I'm just speaking from experience here. These are just Karen's experiences, not necessarily yours. You won't let people get too close. You won't allow self to become vulnerable. You stop giving of yourself. You're no longer as sympathetic. You can't trust one person, so maybe you won't trust anybody. And your own problem's so great, so you can't even help anybody with their problems anymore. See, 22 years ago, I navigated a separation that sadly ended in divorce. My husband, at the time, had numerous affairs. I found out after eight years of marriage, had numerous affairs and gambled everything that we had away. Now, it wasn't that there was any preparation for this because we were in church, doing life together, serving in, in ministry together. And it was a very big shock to everybody. There was no inkling of this. It was all very secretly done. And so would you like to learn a lesson that I put into play that I knew how to do before this happened, but it helped my heart, became soft. And I had talked to my counsellor about this, these protection things that I did. I said, I don't, I don't like who I'm becoming. She goes, what do you mean? And I went, my heart's getting hard. And she goes, oh, that's good that you recognise that. And I went, I don't want it to be this hard. But the nice thing about it is once you allow that painful pull off of the layers, God starts to rebuild it the beautiful way that he's always intended it to be. And then the trick is to allow it to become soft and subtle and not let layers come back up again. But the very, very simple thing that keeps your heart soft is worship. Because worship takes your eyes off yourself. It focuses on God, just as like we were talked about in it this morning, because God is so much bigger. It shifts everything onto God. And God is so magnificent. He is so grand. He is, he is so much more lovely. And he can invade any and every situation, every single situation. When your mind is in massive turmoil and nothing makes sense, God can bring peace that surpasses all understanding. He can guard your heart. He can guard your mind. He can do everything, and it makes no sense when everything else is going crazy. And I know you've been in situations like that, and you're here and I'm here, and we can testify to the goodness of God, but worship breaks that down. Joseph is an incredible example of that, and God is masterful. I don't know how he does it, but what is meant to ruin your life and destroy your life, God has a unique way of turning what was meant for evil around for good every single time. I don't know how he does it, but you can trust God and have in the back of your head somewhere and you can keep confessing 
that this may have been meant to destroy me. But I know God will turn it around for good. I know God will turn it around for good. And the good part of my testimony is I have had everything restored plus more. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect. and It doesn't mean I haven't had challenges since. But everything I have had, that the hard things, the hardest things that I've been through, everything has been restored plus more. Because you've seen my photo. My little boy isn't two anymore without a dad. I am not on my own. I have a lovely husband. I didn't think, I didn't know if I would get that again. Plus, I have a daughter as well. Everything plus more. How kind is God? Okay, so the third thing is a relationship void. I have a friend called Ben. I've known him since I was pregnant with Zara. Uh, yes. No, I've known him since I was pregnant with Caleb. And he's never, he had never given his heart to Jesus. He was going through a bit of a crisis a couple of years ago and he rang me up and he was talking about things. And I said, well, he goes, I, I don't know, you just always seem to have it together, Karen. I'm like, Ben, you know I don't have it together. I said, the difference is I've got, you know I've got Jesus to lean. He goes, I know, I know, you always, you always say you've got Jesus. But it does seem to help you. And I, and I said, well... He goes, I just don't feel that. And I said, but Ben, have you ever invited him in? Because we just have open conversations. There's was no secret. I'm a Christian. He goes, well, no. And I went, well, Ben, why don't you just at least try it? Gave him the scripture in Romans, Romans 10, about what can happen. You can have a look at that scripture. And didn't ram it down his throat. Didn't tell him, like, let's do the sinner's prayer together. Look, just... Ask him in the quietness of your own, like just invite him in. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. A couple of days later, he texts me and he goes, I'm I'm feeling a bit better. I went, why are you feeling better? He goes, I may have shot up a few prayers. I went, oh, well, did you ask Jesus to come in? I went, he said, "Uh, you know, I just shot up a few prayers. I'm like, oh, good on you, mate. He was so funny, and he goes, ah, you know, I'm a work in progress. I'm like, that's all right. We're all a work in progress. Are we all a work in progress? And maybe this relationship you and I have with Jesus could just do with a little bit more devotion anyway. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will get an opportunity today and in the valley to invite him into your heart. Because this beautiful scripture says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that he raised you from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. And your life will be transformed. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it will be transformed. And maybe for us that do know Jesus, maybe we just need to watch one less episode of Netflix. So to remove obstacles in our own life, I'm speaking to myself. I'm a very guilty party of... Oh, here's just one more episode. Um, Unforgiveness, working on our hearts and our relationship, our gaps. So for us corporately, okay, we are going to think of a making a way for others. This is the bigger picture, guys. We're going to look at the bigger picture now. And because you've got 
I loved what Dave was saying. We're going to love local and we're going to love global. I'm very encouraged by that because you're you're on the journey. Because if we're going to make a way for others by filling in the valleys, leveling out the mountains, clearing out the boulders, like this scripture says, if we're going to prepare a way for King Jesus to come into our community, to come into our church, there's going to be got to be some acts of kindness involved in this. There's got to be some hard work. There's got to be some consistency. There's got to be some dedication, some preparation. So that we can say your king is here. Your God is coming. So, number one, two really simple things. I told you I'm simple. Be proactive. Create some margins in your life. Because we can live our life to the boundaries. You know, when you're at school, you put a margin in your page. And your teacher might write notes in it in red pen. Did anybody else have that? Oh, yeah, or ticks or crosses. Everybody getting visuals and or cringing. And I'm like, I, don't, I don't mean to bring back bad memories. Um, but maybe you just need to allow five minutes at the school gate. Maybe you need to um, allow yourself an extra 10 minutes before or after church. Maybe you need to um, create five minutes at the coffee shop because you have good coffee down here. Do you, do you go and grab a coffee on the way to work? Like, I'm not sure, but create margins in your life. Because maybe it's just an engaging in a conversation. Maybe you need to cook a little bit extra food and put it in your freezer so you can meet your neighbor's need at a time. I remember one morning a few years ago, dropping, um, going to drop Zara to school, and my neighbors were stuck out the front of the house, um, and their car wouldn't start. And I was like, is everything okay? These were, they seemed sort of snooty neighbors never had talked to them and they not that they're bad people they just they just didn't engage and they really were sort of yeah, it's just snooty um and I hope they never hear this oh, don't say that um so she goes my car won't start and we've got a special event on at school can't and anyway I said look I'll drop Zara to school I'll come back pick you up take and get the kids I'll take you to school and she goes, is it on your way to work? I went, no, it's not, but it's not that far out of the way. It's okay. Sydney traffic. Like, mm. Anyway, so took her to school. Now, years later, Zara goes to the same high school as her daughters. She this year has started taking my daughter's school, which is not on my way to work, but on her way to work. It saves me 45 minutes every morning. A random act of kindness. Can you ask maybe your local government, the police, what they might need? Don't go in with an agenda if you're that way inclined social justice-wise. What, what they might need, how good would it be? 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not just love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. James 2 verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, it's actually dead. So let's put our faith into actions. Which leads me into the next point, number two, take action. Find your people, find your rhythm, and take action. Mother Teresa is quoted in saying, I can do things you can't do. You can do things I can't do, but together we can do great things. Find a gap, fill it. Find a gap, see a need, do something about it. If you can, 
gather some people with skills you don't have. You've got skills. What is in your hand? There's, there are great people in the Bible. Let's just have a look at a few. Oh, let's just scout. Okay, listen to this. With Moses, all he had was a staff. But in God's hand, it was a way through the desert and part of the Red Sea. With Joseph, it was just a dream. But in the hands of God, it was a way that saw a nation through a drought. In the hands of Esther, it was turning up for her such a time as this. But in the hands of God, it saw favor for the Jews, saving them from a genocide. In the hands of David, it was just five stones, but it killed a giant. Who's with me? In the hands of Samson, it was physical strength. In the hands of God, it meant freedom for a nation. In the hands of a Shunammite woman, it was just a little bit of oil. In the hands of God, it was more than enough to pay a debt. But in Sarah's hands, it seemed like old age. But in God's hand, it was the right time for a promise to be fulfilled and for her to have a baby. In Joshua's hands, it was just a shout. But in God's hands, it was victory for the walls of Jericho to come down. In the hands of a boy, it was just five loaves and two fish. In the the hands of Jesus, it fed 5,000, and they didn't count the women and children. I'm sorry about that, girls um, and kids. Um, in the hands of a widow, two small coins, coins, but in the eyes of Jesus, it was extravagant giving. In the hands of a Roman, it was a wooden cross, but in the hands of God, it was redemption for all mankind. Can we give Jesus a hand? How good is he? So what can he do with us? If we stand together, Moses and Aaron were in partnership and they were involved in great work. They had very different skills, but they led those rebellious people of Israel into the promised land. It took them 40 years. It didn't have to take them that long because it wasn't that far. But you and I could be the answers to people crying out here. Well, maybe not me because I don't live here in Hobart. But we can be the answers to cries of people calling out. But you could be the answers to people crying out here in Hobart. Your church, this church, Energizer, could be the answers. And where are you doing your mission work, did you say? Nepal. Amazing. And so there are cries. Like you've got your heart for that area of the world. And so you're doing something about it. Get on board with this beautiful kingdom giving because you know it's going to make a difference. You know it's going to make a difference. And your beautiful, generous hearts already, which has reached, you said, 30,000. And it's not like today, like we can, we can just see it. Push that little bit forward because you know it's good ground. It's just beautiful. Maybe we can get the band to come. It'd be just lovely. And if you could just give us a little bit of padding behind here. Galatians 6, verse 9 to 10. says, so let's not get tired in doing good. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. The community of Hobart need you. They need you to be your best so that you can work on your lives, your heart, making sure that your life is the very best, that you haven't harbored any bitterness, that that you are flourishing in the very best possible way that you can. 
that your lives are on course. Because when your lives are on course, then you can give the very best of yourself into your city. So I would just love to pray. I'd love to pray for you. And especially given the fact that we heard the testimony on the screen today about hearts. Because maybe your heart's not doing as good. And I'm not going to call anybody forward. But I... But just in the stillness of this moment, just in the stillness of this moment, why don't you just allow people some quiet? And I'm just going to pray for people to have strength. Strength for hearts to release, to release people. And you'll probably need, for those of you who this resounds with today, you'll need to put something into action and allow that forgiveness to take place. So, Father, you of all people know what it's like. And then you see your kids hurting when things happen. I thank you that your heart for your children is so great. And when things have taken place and even many, many years ago when trust has been betrayed and people have been taken advantage of or even when it's been recent times And people are finding it hard to forgive. And I know some of you are saying, Karen, but you don't know what's happened to me. I know I don't know. But Jesus does. And Jesus, I ask that you will give every individual strength. Strength for their hearts to mend and the power that only you can give to release, release so that they can be free, release to forgive, not necessarily to trust, but release to forgive so that their hearts can be free, free to live and love as you've intended them to. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the freedom that you'll breathe into their lives. Thank you that they will actually go feeling such a difference. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And for those of you who feel really stirred, really stirred here and in the valley, to actually just get into motion. Actually, we might all just stand if you don't mind. And if you feel like, God... I'm, I'm stirred. I really, I want to make a way for others. I want to make a way for others, for, to, for the king to come into their lives. I want to make a way, and I'm not going to grow weary in doing good. Here I am, Jesus, use me. Would you lift your hands and I'm going to pray for you. Here I am, I'm lifting my hands because I don't want to... I don't want to be a hindrance to God and I want to be a vessel. Lord Jesus, here we are. We're here with our hands raised high, Lord God. We want to be a vessel. 
individually, but also corporately, God, as a community, in our workplaces, Lord God, in our schools, in our spheres of influence that you've given us. We want to make a difference for you, Lord God. Please have your way so that you can be have clear access into the lives of people. We don't want to be a hindrance. We don't want to be a roadblock. Lord God, as you prepare yourself to come into the lives of people, we say, use us. Have your way through us in Jesus' powerful name. Thank you for your revelation knowledge that you will deposit in every single village standing here and in the valley today. That with their hands lifted high saying, use us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.